Welcome to the Genuine Gals Podcast, where we talk about real shit in a fun way. Just two gal pals talking about life like we're out to lunch. Let's get into it. All right, welcome. This week we get into perception. We've kind of talked about some of this before in a side tangent kind of way, but we feel it very much deserves a full episode. But let's get into it. Okay, so. I want to start off by saying that honestly, I face perception issues daily in my job. And also another reason why this came up is I was actually watching a video and it was about this farmer and the farmer had a horse. The horse ran away. Everyone from the town was like, oh my gosh, that's terrible news. Terrible news. I'm so sorry. He's like, yeah, it is. It's either neither here nor there. We'll see. And then the son, or then they find the horse and they're like, oh, great news. Great news. And he's like, yeah, it's neither here nor there. We'll see. The, his son then gets on the horse and rides the horse um, to do the chores and things like that. And he falls off the horse and everyone's like, oh, that's terrible news. Terrible news. And he's like, yeah, neither here nor there. We'll see. Then a war arises and they take everyone at a certain age. The son falls in a certain age that's well enabled um, to go draft in the war, right? The son was injured. He had he broke his back, so he couldn't go to the war. And everyone's like, well, that's great news that he doesn't need to go to the war because he's injured. And he's like, yep, neither here nor there. So moral of the story is, and of this, I thought it was so because it was so up and down with, you know, good news, bad news, good news, bad news is it's a chain reaction of our decisions and it's our perception of every situation that kind of helps us through life of, you know, sometimes we're up and we're like, this is great news. And then sometimes we're down and it's like, oh, that sucks. And it's like, you never know if the sucky is going to turn into something great. Um, and something great is going to turn into something bad. And so what about, or what if we were all just very level-headed and in the middle and, this is neither good news or bad news. It just is. Um, and I think that, you know, some people can perceive that as, well, then you're neither happy nor sad. And it's like, feel your emotions. Sure. You can still feel them, but I think it's being a realist is what it comes down to is I got a new job. This is so exciting. I'm on cloud nine. And then you get to the job and it's like still work and you're coming off of your high and you're like, shit, what if instead you were you could still be very happy for yourself, but you're realistic with yourself of this is going to be hard work. I'm getting more money for hard work. So let's just level-headedly go into this. And maybe it would be a little bit less of a letdown when you have the hard work, right? Um, And a little bit less of a dagger to the heart and like killing of the soul when you realize you're spending a lot of time there when you already prefaced like, I'm getting more money to do this bigger job. Yeah, of course it's going to be harder work, you know? Yeah. So there's a couple ideas about how perception is formed. And I think before your prefrontal cortex is developed, probably relying a lot on your subconscious to kind of filter through your sensory experience. When in regards to your job example, I don't know why we do that. I don't, I, I mean, I actually know. I, I I think I do. We 
have this high of something new and challenging and we're exploring and we're curious and we're satiating those parts of us that need to be challenged with something different. But then the reality sets in and that helps us kind of take it down a notch and rebalance, right? Yeah. So I'm not sure. I know that our experience with the unknown typically goes like that, right? Um, And then sometimes it's just only anxiety and people don't ever want to start something new because it's all unknown and and all of that kind of stuff. But it really is your perceptions are based on your expectations and your expectations are based on your past experiences and your past experiences were also informed by your past perceptions. And so it's kind of this cycle, right? Yes. So you I have think, to actively change your perceptions because yes. they're influenced by, yep. Yeah, exactly. So taking something very simple, like this cup on my desk, I can see it, I can see the color. I know how much water it holds and how many times I'll have to fill it up today so that I can stay hydrated based off my experience with this particular cup. And so that's my perception. This cup is a tool for me, right? It's, it's providing me all these things that I'm not actively thinking about. But as soon as the cup breaks or I lose the straw or something like that, all of a sudden it's like the cup's not doing what I expect it to do. And maybe that enters in some kind of frustrating perspective about the fact that it's not functioning anymore. And I let myself feel negative or have a negative experience because of my previous expectation for the operation of the cup, right? But it's like at the end of the day, if I break the cup or lose the straw, that's only my bad, right? And so that negative experience is probably good, right? Because you don't want to keep breaking your cups and you want that negative experience to teach you a lesson. But at the same time, especially when we interact with people who are complicated, they're not as simple as this cup. I think that's where all of a sudden, I was having this conversation yesterday with a friend Assuming the best in people, I think really is just for you. Yeah. And if somebody fails you or frustrates you or doesn't live up to a a previously established expectation, then you recalibrating your expectations and believing the best in in that person can help your perception of them, right? But also relieve you of a potentially negative reinforcement cycle. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think I really feel like, cause I'm a worrier, I feel like perception actually plays into worry as well. Like all the things that you've learned, um, or even the, the story of the farmer, I feel like it plays into really forward thinking, future thinking and living in the future can be very dangerous. And I think some of our our perceptions, right? Like your example of the cup, you're, you bought the cup so that it would keep you hydrated from now until your perception is forever. Like I know when I buy something, I'm like, never going to have to buy this again. And then it breaks and you're let down, right? That's really granular, but I think that you can, you know, if I were to buy the cup with the action that it one day it's going to break, right? maybe I would buy a more expensive cup so it'll never break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then my perception is going to be, well, it's never going to break. So I'm never going to have to buy a new one. So I don't have to worry about it. 
So it's, it's all a chain of events. And I think it can be helpful in that sense. It might make, help you make a different buying decision. Um, your perception might make you choose a different partner. It might make you choose a different job. Like I think a lot of times we are educated based on worldly issues and we hear one thing bad about an industry or a type of job or whatever. And it's stuck in our brain that we don't want to be that. We don't ever want to be that. So then our perception kicks into not only, I know that that's not where I want to be. I'm never going to consider that as a life choice. And then also worry, I think of what if I end up there? What if I end up doing that? What will people think or worry that, gosh, that means what if I amount to nothing or, you know, whatever, what if, what if I choose the wrong person and they're not like, I I think I, there's so many different examples of like things I've worried about like that. And I think really this way of thinking, I was just thinking this yesterday on my walk was like, I really have struggled in my whole life with worrying and just being a worry wart and for the first time in a really long time, I feel like I haven't been worrying. It's more so dreaming and being hopeful. And I, I don't know when that shift happened. I know I've like come across like things like this video and things like how we talked about the let them theory, just various different things that have impacted my way of thinking. Also, I think morning walks have really helped me. of just like sorting through my shit and like getting it out. It literally is, I don't listen to anything and just walk. It's like very meditative. That has really helped me, honestly, like I'm religious about that and like getting my mind right before I start the day it's helped. And I really feel like I've noticed a big change in all of that. I I really don't feel like I'm, I've worried about anything in the past month, at least even like through this wellness journey. I mean, there's so many things that I could worry about that normally I would even through like detoxing my body and having kids. Like I'm not worried about that. I'm like, it's going to happen. Like this is neither good news or bad news. It's just, this is the path that I'm on and I'm, that's great. Like I'm healing my body. Kids will come in some way, shape or form because that's what we want. And it feels good. Like I feel really good. The perception of it all has changed. Like I changed my perception. Yeah. I think you have to take that piece by piece, right? Because let's use the farmer example. I do think that things are good and they are bad, but throwing your hands up and being like, I don't know, it could be good or it could be bad. I think the answer usually, I don't know if I can say always, but usually is, oh, losing the horse is bad in this way. My son can't do his chores in the morning. We need my son to do his chores because we need to get whatever collected so that we can make money or sell it or eat in the morning or whatever. And so the horse, losing the horse for the next few days, that will affect us negatively. It's bad in those ways. But also maybe losing the horse was an opportunity. Maybe yeah. losing the horse was, you know, protecting us in some way. Silver and lining. Yeah, exactly. And 
so standing on the in the middle of saying, okay, this could be good and bad, and it likely is, and then figuring out for me, it needs to be a net positive. And that's yeah. why I say do the math. God, I'm so annoying and just repeating that <laughs> all the time. But like that's your slogan. I feel like we need to be like, I'm Gail and I do the math and I'm Cam and we look at psychology. I don't know. Something. You 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 just said your slogan. You're like, I'm Cammy. I state the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I state the obvious. Yes. yes. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> no, okay, but I will say that stating the obvious. Yeah, I know you're joking with yourself about that, but people need to hear things that are like right in front of their face. I think people need to hear, oh, this is how you articulate this thing that's right in front of my face. Or like there's some uh, one psychologist, clinical psychologist that I I love, um, especially his work with spirituality and stuff. And he'll say things that as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, that's so obvious. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, but is it? Am I acting like it's obvious? Am I truly like, do I truly have that front of mind? Okay, maybe not. And like some of these inspirational quotes that you've sent me, it's like, oh my God, that's so obvious. But we're not acting as if it is. So maybe it's not right in front of our face all the time. Yeah. And so stating it, isn't it like, this is why I love cheese. I love cheesy movies. I think, yes. honestly, I think people do. I think people love cheesy songs. I think they love cheesy movies. It's but a when reminder. They like write them off like they're a negative thing. Oh, that, that movie was so cheesy. Or, oh, you listen to this song? It's so cheesy or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Well, first of all, cheese is good. So I don't know why you're using that. Like it's a negative adjective. Both dairy and metaphorically. <laughs> Yeah, I really do think like cheese speaks to the masses for a reason. So stating the obvious is a, a positive contribution. <laughs> you know, I once I yes, I do I do fully believe that because I mean, even many stories that we've talked about lately have been I live it, I live what I say, like, and I say some of the stuff out loud and I think back and I'm like so obvious, but at the same time, people's reaction is very much like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like it's like a good reminder of like, and sometimes I get self-conscious about that because I'm like, uh, everyone knows this already. Right. And then I'm like, no, I need to say it. I feel like they're not acting in a way that they know this. And like, I read a room usually, but I, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that because Sometimes I do get self-conscious about the fact that I stick the obvious. Well, you like you just gave a great example. You walk into a room and nobody's acting as if they understand this underlying, this is probably what we should all be doing or or whatever. And mm-hmm. you, you just saying it brings it into the forefront of everybody's mind. So you can all work together to accomplish whatever goal that is or, or, or whatever. Right. And to be honest, I think people are so caught up in what's already in their heads that those obvious seeming things bring them out of that and into the collective, okay, we're all going to think about this now and we're all going to figure out how to solve this problem or, or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like stating problems, like, You never want to be that person that's like, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem without also saying, oh, here's, yeah. Yep. Exactly. 
Well, it's funny because in my work life, like I'm the go-to for, hey, this problem isn't being solved fast enough, go solve it. And then how I state it is very report-like and I pride myself on it because I think it's very clear and concise. Everyone can read it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to read it and you don't need to be a dummy to read it. Like it, it falls to me right in the middle and I'm, I've never received feedback different. But the thing that I think a lot of people miss is when you're communicating a lot of that stuff, not everyone on the email fully understands what the problem you're trying to solve is. So you have to state the problem first. And then you have to say what the solution is. And then you have to say, how did you get to the solution or what are the details of the solution? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, that's how my brain works, but I also think that as it relates to perception, everyone can perceive the problem as different. And so unless you're clearly and concisely stating in a way that everyone else can understand, you're going to have people, if you don't state that people are going to be like, that solution doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you did that wrong. And it's like, no, 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 let's bring it. Let's circle it back to what we're actually trying to solve mm -hmm. so that all of our perceptions can be aligned. Like it's so important in business and in life that everyone is on the same page. Um, I was just thinking that I was like, you're, you're calibrating people's perceptions yes. and yes. you have to state the obvious to do that. Right. And just because it's obvious to you and could does be it, obvious once yes. it's brought up to other people does not mean. That is the biggest thing I've learned. I, I, I've had many people say you work on such a high level or you work at such hyperspeed that you forget that people aren't riding along with you. And you have to take a step back and realize that in order to then accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. um, everyone has different, a learning abilities and also just work abilities. Mm -hmm. And so when you can realize, okay, I might be operating up here, but everyone's operating down here. Okay. You got to bring yourself down a couple pegs and then ramp up and then ramp back down. Like it's this ebb and flow between these two zones in order to accomplish your goal. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that is definitely the biggest thing I've learned is two things, actually sitting back and staying quiet and observing, mm -hmm. even when you have a lot to say, mm -hmm. because sometimes when your initial, your initial thought of something to say changes as you learn more about the situation or the group or the meeting, whatever, write it down. And maybe say it later or have a side conversation later with the person specifically. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is the exact thing is stating the obvious is don't hold back. It might be obvious to you, but it might not be obvious to the group because it used to be very self-conscious about speaking up of like, Ooh, what if, what if that is obvious to everyone? And this is just not a value add. And, and everyone already knows this. Like they're going to look at me and be like, yeah, are you stupid? We already know that. Mm -hmm. And I had to let go of that. And then also when I concise things up and not, it's important to not say, well, you probably already know this, but because that also makes people feel stupid because if they don't know it, they don't like that. They're not, you're not going to then be a go-to person for knowledge because you make them feel stupid. So it's stating it as to me, and you can tell me what your thoughts are, but to me in a group setting or a meeting, or even just a one-on-one -on -one of saying, Hey, like ask a question first. If you're coming in to solve a problem, ask the question, say, Hey, I was tasked with this. 
let me ask you a couple of questions and then state your observations because you might learn something from the questions and it might change your observations mm-hmm. and it, it helps a lot. And I, we've said that before, but I do think, and if you're in a meeting, obviously asking a question may not be totally permitted. It might be like, Hey, let's state this and move on. Um, but sometimes I'll just add in a, Hey, don't forget this actually pertains to this do a little, don't forget because it helps. It just gives that like little, Oh yeah. Moment. Mm -hmm. But you don't at the same time. You know, I'm a huge proponent of learning from people. I'm treating everyone as if they have something to teach you. And I, I remember explaining this to you a long time ago. So you probably don't remember, but I had this waking vision of how we're all looking at a problem, big or small. So imagine a room and in the center of the room, there's a sphere floating. Mm -hmm. You can literally see it 360, but you can't do it just from standing in one spot. Mm. Not only is there a sphere with multiple perspectives, right? You have the top perspective that can see a section of it. Bottom perspective sees a section. And then every person standing at every point around it can see a section. So you have a 360, you know, area. Not only are there all those different perceptions of the sphere, but the sphere's surface landscape is also constantly changing, Mm. right? The more complex the issue is. So I'm standing at point A and the person, you know, that's like six o'clock, let's say, and there's a person standing at point Z right across from me, but on the other side of the sphere at the 12 o'clock point. And I have to figure out how to effectively communicate to them who I can't really see what I'm seeing and how it's changing. And then also using the person next to me who can kind of see what I'm seeing, but also sees a little bit different surface area and, you know, things changing, the landscape changing. And so anyways, the more complicated the problem, the more it changes, the more people you need to look at it, to see all the the different factors. And even if one... One person is laying down super lazy underneath it. They close their eyes most of the time. They don't want to pay attention. The moment they open their eyes for a split second, they might see like a cloud forming or, Mm -hmm. you know, something change. And they have that one nugget of information at this timestamp. This happened on the surface area that I can see, however limited that vision is. Right. And so that's always been my like artistic, creative vision of. That's a really complex problem you're talking about. Or, or maybe the sphere is just a sphere and it's, it's just like, it's the same surface all the way around. Right. Oh yeah. No, I, I, it's something everyone needs to remember all the time because we get lost in the sauce, honestly, because I think that when we're moving at hyperspeed, I mean, I can take it it pertains mostly to my like business life, but I think when I, you can even relate it to your personal life of your, your marriage, your friendships, whatever. And we've talked about it a lot in friendship too, is the fact that you can only control the way you react. And maybe someone said something hurtful, but they didn't mean it as hurtful from your perspective. It felt that way, but that's because of the way that you whatever conditioned your past, all these things we've talked about this before. So I think even when you're trying to solve a problem at work or in your marriage, it's considering the fact that 
the other person on the other end has a different perception of everything and can see it maybe more clear than you can. And listening to them is going to help you realize that. Now we talked about gaslighting a couple episodes ago. And I think it's interesting when we think about this in terms of a relationship, right? Because your feelings are valid, right? So if you feel wronged or if someone is saying something to you or acting in a way that isn't right, right? Boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, husband, wife, you name it. You have to validate your feelings and they also have to recognize and give you some sort of, Hey, I understand you feel this way, but that's not how I meant it. Here's how I actually meant it. Or, Hey, I know I didn't do this, but here's why. Like they need to recognize that yes, they did something wrong, but their intentions weren't incorrect. Um, if they're going to gaslight you, then they're going to say, no, you're wrong. Like, this is not how it happened at all. This is actually how it happened. And you're being dramatic. Um, so differentiating the two, but I do think that perception and majority of like, I know my disagreements with my husband, it's 90% of the problem. I think one way he thinks a different way. And, you know, he thinks the kitchen needs to be clean and I'm like, why worry about it? Um, and that's just how it is. And so it, once you realize that the perceptions are just wildly different, I can be a little more considerate to his need of the kitchen being clean and he can choose to change his perception. I don't know if he has, he probably won't alter on that one, but he could on his end say, I know that she doesn't think this way and I need to be a, give a little bit more grace. I know she's trying. Mm-hmm. So it, it all has this different thing, but in this book, it's called, um, the seven habits of highly effective people, it opens up with, um, something similar to your sphere example. And I think it's, we did this, um, with my companies just to kind of show that, Hey, perception is different. So, um, it's a picture like this drawn scribbled picture. It's just black marker. Um, of one of them looks like an, a younger woman. She has pearls. She has this like little hat on, and then you flip the page or you can see both. So there's, um, it's like two pictures almost combined and you can see either an old woman or a young woman. And when they take the pictures apart, it shows very distinctly what they are, but they fit into it. Facebook puts these things up all the time. Like there's all kinds of examples of this, but this specific example is just talking about problem solving and perceptions and how actually both sides of the angle are very valuable and right. Um, there's no, there's sometimes, not just one right answer. Um, like I think that when, let's say we're dealing with an employee issue, we were talking about this earlier of lying. Maybe they actually aren't lying, but the perception from two different angles, one is well, three. So one is the employee's angle. One is say a, their boss. And let's say the other one is a peer, you can say all of these different things, right? Maybe they are lying. Who knows? This happens all the time, right? You, you try to question, especially how your employees interact with each other or just people, even if it was a friend lying, it's like, okay, well, my perception is this is what happened. She, let's say, didn't, um, maybe she told me one thing. She told another friend, another thing. And our perception, once we get together of like, well, she said this, and she said this, 
it's all as she said, he said, and maybe we're both right. And maybe the person that said the things really did say both of those things. Um, and so it's really the person then going directly to the source, right? Directly Mm -hmm. to the source and saying, Hey, you said these things, can you help us? Like we're confused. Um, and so it's on that person to then either decide if they're going to own up to it or not. Right. And, and just cause a bigger scuffle. But I think where I'm more going with it is, is perception is nine tenths of our problems of purely just perceiving things differently and then pointing the finger of no, you're wrong. And, and the exercise itself, it talks about it being in a classroom and showing it to people and, um, in the book. And it, it talks about how two students actually got in an argument of like, no, you're wrong. This is an old woman, um, with a cloak around her. And they literally got in a disagreement and was like, look, it's right here. And like yelling at each other. And like, if I think about that in life, it's like, whoa, like I myself very much like to be right. That's just like the facts of life. Like I think I'm right majority of the time. And I mean, I have many examples of that and you have to drop it. And I'm like, but I'm right. Why can't you see it? Just see it. Just freaking see it. Like this is, this is the right, I'm right. This happened with my parents one time. And like, I literally, we all just looked at each other, like you need to drop it. Who cares? And I was like, you're right. Who cares? But like, I'm right. <laughs> so, I, so I think a lot of people have that tendency of just like, but I'm right. And then just consider for a second, whether it's facts about life of an event and maybe their memory is going. That was the situation with my parents. I'm like, your memory might not be all there, but this is when it was. That aside, I do think that there is purely just, hey, there's another side to the story and we all don't have the same lenses on our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the I'm right thing can be accurate, right? Like I have the, the right perspective, but it really isn't you being right. It's you just being able to see or remember accurately. Right. And so right. the fact of the matter is the fact of the matter, no matter who realizes it. And so when we say I'm right, I always get the sense that like you're deriving the truth from the depths of you. And that's not really ever the case, right? There's some things deep inside us that we know to be what you know the wisdom let's say yeah but really that was usually acquired over time and and developed that's what perception is by the way perception is what you like the the filter you use to view the world based off your sensory experience after um taking the information in and then filtering it through the processes that already exist informing that with your preconceptions and your expectations, anything else that filters it. And then you put that over something like an Instagram filter. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm stuck on a granular point because I think it might be very relevant. And I hear people say it all the time, your feelings are valid. What does that mean? Cause to me, it means anytime you have a feeling to something, no matter what it is, even if it's like not oriented properly, it's still valid. And I don't know if that's 
true, but I also don't know if I know what that means. So what do you, what do you mean? Or what do you think people mean when they say that? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's to you. So like, let's say I feel sad and angry towards a situation that involves another person and they're being like, why are you sad? Why are you angry? This is no reason to be sad or angry. Like you're being so dramatic. What to me, the feelings of are valid is just because that person thinks that that's an overreaction doesn't mean that it's not for you. Just because they wouldn't react that way doesn't mean that you're not allowed to react that way. You can react like your feelings hold water for you. You have your own experiences and you can feel however you want to feel. But what if they're wrong? I mean, then I think here's the thing. No one will ever innately know that like my feelings towards something are wrong because they don't know my full story or full past. Only I do. Yeah, no, no one else can say that. Well, but how do you that I'm more more like the internal struggle. Oh. Like how do you know your feelings are valid? And cuz I feel like they're wrong or not you, sorry, but like for me, yeah. my feelings have been wrong a lot of the time. And so Well, I think that takes internal work and looking at stuff, right? So like So let's say my reaction question? I mean, let's say my reaction to something is wrong. I've been wrong before of like overreacting, but I also recognize how I really overreacted. Why did I overreact to that and figure out why I overreacted? Um, Isn't that you invalidating your own feelings though? Sure. Yeah. But I also think that like by me feeling those feelings, I figured out why that caused something greater in me so that it wouldn't happen again. And then I, then once I, once I validated Doug and then determined, I created then an invalidation of it. So it's a process. Like, I think once you accept that, like, Hey, I'm accepting my emotions in this moment, like, great. Then I can move on to the the digging portion. So the, ex- the validating is accepting it. I see yeah. to me validating means this is <laughs> now I need to know what valid means. I know I'm going to look it up for you. Um but to me maybe this is completely wrong but valid means accurate, true, factual, whatever. Like this is something that you can stick your flag on and you know the the rock that you can build your house on. Instead so it of means saying, having a sound basis in logic or fact, reasonable or cognate. So that definition to me seem it putting it's reasonable. Your feelings are reasonable. No, they're not. <laughs> I feel they're like... logical. I don't I... think they're logical at all. Oh, I totally do. I to- I think the only person, the only pe- I've only ever heard three people ever logically and reasonably express their feelings, and each of them were like, "This is how I felt about it." I I, I watched it. I watch myself feel that way and I let it pass. They never said, well, maybe at some point they did say, but when I've listened to them, they've never said, I see the feeling that I'm having. I accepted it and then acted as if it was reasonable and valid and truthful. What's the difference? So one is- If you let it pass- 
So if you yeah. let it pass, right? So like, let's say I'm feeling angry about a situation. I breathe and I let it pass. If I sit there, I have, a f- I- I'm angry. I feel it and I accept it and I move on. What's the difference? Oh, so I'm thinking accepting as if like, I'm completely valid feeling angry. And so I get to hold on to it and be righteously angry because I'm correct. And my feeling of anger is correct. And so that's you dying on that hill. And to me, seeing it, acknowledging that it's not helpful, so it needs to go away and like waiting, doing the work you need to do to let it go literally says (laughs) it's not the valid way to, to let it inform your perceptions and interact with the world. Well, yeah, but valid I said what it basis in logic. So if you're going to say that your feelings are valid, then it's basis in logic. So it's, you're contradicting yourself. Are you not? Am I misreading what you're saying? That's I think that that statement is contradictory. Feelings are not logical. Literally the logical part of your brain and the feelings. I thought you just said it was logical. No, oh no, I'm saying the complete opposite of that. Okay, I misunder, I misheard or misunderstood what you're saying. See, we have a difference of perception right now. Well, either I misspoke, but I'm, I'm, I'm dying on the hill that feelings (laughs) are not logical, and and that's why whenever anyone says like your feelings are valid, I'm, I'm, I feel like it's the most. No, not ironic. What's the word when you have two opposite things put contradictory. together? Contradictory. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's the most contradictory phrase. <laughs> yeah. What's a better one? I guess. Your feelings are real, I yeah. think, is is accurate, right? Yes. Obviously, they exist. And that feeling that you had in reaction to something is real. It happened. But saying that they're valid means okay, now I can logically operate out of this feeling. And I, they're literally two parts of your brain. And yeah, one informs the other, like they inform the other, they talk, right? But like your feeling is the first reaction. And then your- I guess, so when I think of like, if a friend is telling me a story and how that they felt a friend treated them, let's say, and they're like, does that, like, am I- justified in feeling the way that I feel. And I say, no, your feelings are valid. I would, I would probably react similarly or like, I understand, like maybe it's better to say, like, I understand why you reacted that way. Yeah. So sometimes your feelings are valid, but I think when you say feelings are in general are valid, they're not. Oh, no, I, I use it as a statement of affirmation for someone of like, yeah, "Yeah, your feelings are valid in this moment. Like I agree with your your feeling is valid. Yeah, no. And I think, you know what? I do think that sometimes if you're oriented properly, your feelings can be valid. And now in my life, I feel like I can, I can rely on my feelings more, but in the past, no. That was like, not at all. I was so disoriented. So I really only oh, think. If... I was all over the place. Yeah. Right. But like I'd... during that time, they weren't valid. They were misleading us and and making our, our internal life hell. And yeah. Oh, and, for sure. But they can be calibrated properly. You know what I was just thinking the other day? Hmm. Isn't it interesting how our brains automatically filter out the bad and you can only think of the good? 
in like the past, like I think of 10 years ago and it, on first glance, I'm like, oh, life was so great. And then when we're like really talking about the nitty gritty, I'm like, I was crying at least once a week. Oh, see, I don't, I said, maybe this is the difference. I filter out the good, I think more. Mm, interesting. Especially when it comes to myself, my self view is very, I think positively critical. I think it's helped me because man, who the hell was telling me I needed to do better? No one. So like I needed to figure it out. You know what I mean? And that critical lens has really, I think I I just had to do it. I had to parent myself, you know? Yeah. So so interesting. Yeah. And the discipline there is, is usually kind of a, Oh, you did this. It's not good. You felt this way. It wasn't good. So don't do that again, you know? Right. I take mental note for sure. And somehow my brain keeps it subconsciously and carries on. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I think, and it's only situational. If a situation arises, it's like the, the Rolodex in my brain, like, we've experienced something like this before. Let's go find it and pull it up of like what we need to do in this moment in order to avoid how we felt last time when reacted differently. You may have to explain what Rolodex is for people that were born in this millennia. (laughs) Rolodex is just like a, basically it's a syndrilical type organizational system that has like a bunch of different cards in it. Usually it's used Mm -hmm. for cards, but it can be bigger too. And you can, I'm not doing the greatest job, but it's basically sits on your desk and you can file through it kind of like you would those big like file folders a little bit. Um, and it, it had multiple slots for files. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's like an look analog. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make sense to you. Um, but yeah, I do think that like, I'm not, Maybe, I don't know if everyone's this way. I'm not like actively thinking those things like, okay, here's an example. So you know how people can like just rattle off, you know, uh, movie quotes after one time of seeing them. I'm not that way. Like I have to experience movie 20 times to even make a dent into reiterating any funny lines. Um, And I think that I'm that way also in life and experiences is like, it could happen to me one time and I'm like, maybe I didn't like it. I'll make a little mental note. And then it happens to me again. And I'm like, "Mm -mm, I didn't, I reacted maybe a little bit differently, but I still didn't like it. Okay. It happens to me again. I reacted just slightly differently and it was a little better, you know, like it's got to like keep going almost for me. Not that like I especially in business, business, my business brain is so different than my personal brain. Cause business, it happens once. And I'm like, sign sealed, delivered. I'm good. Like I don't need to experience that in a different way, unless I really feel like there's an advantage play of like experiencing it again. And like, you know, slightly altering, you know what I mean? Like usually I slightly alter my behavior in order to move forward in that same situation. Like I usually don't experience two things the same way. Like there's always something that can be improved. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. feel. Um, yeah, but I do think that like, I don't know, like I'm not, I guess explain to me like the way you think of like 
past situations negatively? Like, are you just walking around like a, and I don't think you are, but you're not walking around like a negative cloud. You're just like a gray cloud. You're, you're more so like anything that comes at you, you're remembering the past negatively or what? Like explain that, I guess. No. So I, I've actually been given feedback that I'm a pretty positively presenting person. Like, oh, she's so happy. She's so cheerful or whatever. I don't mean to be, but I think it's because I'm, I'm oriented properly with how bad things have been. (laughs) And I'm grateful, you know, that they're not like that anymore. And yeah, I'm not like wallowing in the, oh, it was so negative and I'm keeping track. It wasn't it was more like, okay, I'm better than I was yesterday. I'm better than I yeah. was. Or if I'm not better than I was, then I feel it. You know, I feel like right. I'm not making progress. So it's more like that. Like you're keeping a track record of, okay, good. I am better than I was a decade ago. And and yeah. I know that because X, Y, and Z negative things. But also like, I think the older you get, you remember the positive things more and more. Like, for example, my parents were um, not all bad. Right. And so it's important for me to orient properly with that. And so my due diligence now is to essentially find those positive points and accept them. Whereas before I would remember something positive and somehow figure out how to spin it negatively and be like, oh, no, they just did that because they were selfish or, oh, Mm -hmm. no, they just did that because they had an off moment. They still were a bad person. I don't think that that's helpful to me anymore. And so I, I try to accept those positive things. And I really think that I am more accurately oriented, but with that, like you need, we remember negative things more. That's just how our brains are wired. We have to remember the negative. So we don't repeat it. So we don't like people reviewing on Yelp. They only, they'll go to Yelp when it's negative. You only notice bad housekeeping. That's my other, it's, I've I've said that to people at work, like when people have issues, small issues and, or the the customer service, somebody's yelling at you because they notice one bad thing. Okay. Well, that's why most of those people's interactions are negative because you're not getting those calls when someone's over the moon and happy with the product or program, right? Like, and some people do some people, I mean, it's, it's more rare, but yeah. You know, I think it's when you talk about orienting properly, it really like you've said that that phrase many times, but I do think that is literally the definition is changing your perception and getting in a right frame of mind for your perception to see it clearly. Um, There's a lot of examples of that for sure. Um, I mean, you can look at the government, you can look at so many different areas where it's like, Oh my God, how do you see it that way? That doesn't even make sense. Um, but I do think that it's our jobs for it's our job as as humans to help others also orient properly. Like I do think that if someone is bringing something to you in a question like manner of like, do you see it that way? It's like, tell the truth. Like say, actually, no, like, I think mm-hmm. it could be this instead. Like, mm-hmm. I do think that there are certain scenarios where in my life, like I've said this before. I don't see manipulation very easily. I, I very much, um, turn a blind eye and think the best of someone, like they're not manipulating me and they're just simply stating a problem or whatever. And like, I've gotten better at at tracking that, but I do think that there is something to say of my perception has been off this whole time of like, oh, they just value my, my skills and my importance to then, you know, better me and better them and whatever, or, um, 
whatever that may be. And then on the flip side, though, someone who might be better oriented in that realm than I am could see that or witness that or hear that story and be like, no, 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 they're manipulating you 100%. And like, you need to get out. And it's like, thank God for those people that can shed light on those situations and help you then orient properly in those situations. There is a fine line, especially on manipulation of like, you don't want to be a scared little puppy dog of like, they're manipulating me to like, I'm actually need to do my job and get shit done. Or I need to be a good friend and do this, you know, like there's a fine line, set your boundaries and move on. But like I said, I do think in perception and op- orienting properly that we all have to have some good friends and just some, whether that we're being that person or you have friends that are doing that for you. Um, we all have to help each other kind of round out our, our perception and changing those along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that process changing that you mentioned is hard. It's hard to reorient your, cause your perceptions really are what feed your beliefs. And yeah. if you allow someone to give you a contrary piece of evidence, you might have to burn off something that's real deep. Right. Well, right. It's, it goes back to kind of our argument that we had in one of our first episodes of learning. You learned that from your parents or from a friend or something like that along the way. I mean, I think of, you know, being five years old and watching parents argue. I didn't in front of us, but I think if I, I witness a five in a show, let's say that's happening. I feel like I just watched that. And one of the shows I'm watching is like, gosh, we don't think anything of that when we're adults, but when you're five years old and you're witnessing that you're absorbing everything, whether they know it or not, they are absorbing, Oh, this is how marriage is, or, Oh, this is how normal conversations go or whatever. And you're an intake of knowledge. And so that shit affects you. Then when you're in your twenties, your thirties and beyond, if you don't deal with it, And now you're, you're totally on a different path of how your relationships go. (laughs) You know, that is the crazy shit of being a parent where I'm like, fuck, don't want to fuck my kids up. Yeah. It's kind of your job to do it well, like figure out how to mold them into people that can navigate fucked up parents. You know, like it's your job to, to build, give your kids the tools they need to build themselves up so they can navigate the discovery yes. of imperfect parents and yeah. relationships and all of that. I will say that is, you know, one thing I didn't know my parents even argued till I was like 12 years old or something like that. And like my parents, you know, now they share all the secrets of like, Oh no, we went behind closed doors. We gave each other seething looks, but you would never know it because you're a little kid running around and we would go behind closed doors and talk about stuff thing that I very much valued about my parents' house is there. They could literally go into like the depths of their bathroom if they wanted to, and no one could hear them because it was so far back in the house and our rooms were like so separated. I'm like, all right, add that to the list of what's required in a home. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. necessary. Yeah. Yeah. The development. But I also period. think healthy fighting is also something when your kids are older that needs to be demonstrated as well. Like what's a healthy confrontation? I agree. I agree. You don't, I I think censorship is never the answer, right? Exposure in, in good dosages and, and figuring out how to contend with someone and give that like, like my fiance's thing. He's like, I want to teach our kids. I, I want to show our kids a, a loving, a loving husband. Like I want to show them what that looks like. 
Yeah. You know, because whenever I'm I'm a little colder, I'm the colder one in the relationship. And so his thing is like, I think it'll be good for our kids to see me treating you with this warmth, you know, and I agree. So I, I'm learning that from him. But my thing is our kids are going to be able to stand on their own two feet. They're going to have a spine. They're going to learn how to play well with others. They're going to learn how to accept information. They're going to learn how to negotiate their position. They're going to learn all of these things from watching us. So we also have to do the cold pieces, which is, okay, you're not hurting my feelings. We're trying to negotiate a problem. So let's do that, you know? Well, and I think it's uh, coming back to like communicating properly. Like I always think about like, yeah, they can witness us all the time, but I also think that kids have a different way of discerning. It's their perception of their observation of the situation. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that Yes, you can act a certain way and and portray what you want your kids to learn and see mm-hmm. and observe. But I also think that explanation for children is so important. So like coming back, even if you argued in front of them, coming back and saying, hey, I just want to talk to you about that. Like what was happening there is this. This is what happened. I said this to your dad because of X, Y, and Z. And I want to know how you feel about that. Or, you know, just the conversation piece is so important. And I don't know that a lot of people know how to articulate situations. Like no one knows, not no one, but a lot of people don't know how to articulate the fact that like, Hey, this is exactly what was happening. Here's why we did this and all of that. They Mm -hmm. have, they can't sift through the why they can't sift. It is, it's a skill. And I think more people need to have that skill. Well, and explaining something to a kid at different developmental stages, that's a whole nother thing. Oh, I'm terrified of it. You can't, but you really, you, you have to show the kids learn by your actions. Yes, Explaining things to them helps them develop their vocabulary, but half the words you say at certain stages, they won't understand and be able to process or comprehend. Right. So yeah, Yeah, I think the showing, I really hope that my kids get the question gene of like, what does that mean? Like if they just accept it, I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah. We're going to model that for our kids for sure. But that's the cold piece, right? Like, let me poke at that no matter how you feel. And I think my thing will be more difficult because the kids notice when mom's cold to dad, right? Dad's bidding and bidding and the bids are ignored or not noticed or whatever. And so that piece, like you don't go into the room after that and say, oh, here's why I know that I didn't, you know, accept your dad's bid. Like you can't, that's more like an, a subconscious response, yeah, but yeah. like the argument piece is like, okay, this is, this is something we also have but to you're model. Affectionate. I feel like that you just have, I feel like if that's what, yes, stand on your own two feet, but then also like show them that you can be affectionate too. Like they have to see the healthy balance. And I've seen you I've guys learned. be affectionate. So I, I've learned a lot. Like when one of us walks through the door, we go up to them and kiss them. And, yeah. you know, but I never did that shit before. Like I never even knew that that was valuable. And, you know, even just sitting on the couch, like he bids me quite often and will be occupied with a game. And my brain is like focused on playing the game right solving the problem or accomplishing the challenge or whatever and he'll bid me and all of a sudden like he needs the the ex- you know the the warmth exchange i i'm your fiance yeah. you're literally marrying me <laughs> not literally he has got a, a lot more other yeah 
but yeah, no, he's on that front. He's similar to you. He's really similar to our other friend who's helping with the vow exchange. And he's similar to well, actually, no, all four of you guys. He's got pieces and he's been I able love to that connect so with him. I know. I'm like, oh my gosh, all of my friends I are present. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I'm gonna cry right now. Oh god. That's like marrying so my friends. <laughs> you are. I mean, hey, I married like my husband has a piece of my brother, has a piece of like my mom, has a piece mm-hmm. of you in there. Like there's all kinds of pieces. And I think that, you know, that's where that's those are the people we spent the most oh, yeah. positive parts of our lives with, you know? Yeah. And they're, they're helping. They, I've chosen, you guys are my chosen family. He is my chosen family. Yeah. I've chosen those attributes because you reflect things to me, help me become better. And you want what's best for me. Like that's at the end of the day, obviously there's going to be overlap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I feel like we can wrap this if you want. Yeah. Okay, cool. In conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) No, really though. Um, I think recognizing, you know, in summary, recognizing that there are many perceptions out there, we can be each other's guides in this world a little bit. And also just recognizing when problem solving that it's good to get other people's perspective. Um, not even just problem solving. I think when you're trying to even implement a new process, understanding the outlook from maybe a different, um, position or different, you know, employees standpoint to understand how you're going to implement that in your personal life, understanding that, you know, gosh, in, in agreements or, or I mean, not agreements, arguments or disagreements within your, you know, marriage, relationship, friendship, um, it's most likely happening purely because your perceptions of the situation are just different. So take your glasses off, get a new lens, um, and just look at it from the other person's point of view before moving forward. All right. Well, great summation. (laughs) I mean, I hope so. I feel like I captured it, but you know, if you need more life examples or have your own life example, please leave it in the comments. All right. Farewell. Au revoir. See you next week. Au revoir. Hey, subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Find us on Instagram, The Genuine Gals. Our website is thegenuinegals.com. We'd love to hear from you guys on, on what you think and honestly, what else you'd like to hear us talk about. So we'll catch you next week. <laughs>